Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Leagues Beats Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Andy, coming to you for episode 203. And if you want to listen to this episode, previous episodes, like our reaction to the week that was last week where Juventus picked up a couple of nice wins, or future episodes, feel free to do so on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice five-star rating and a review. Uh, here midweek, we'll continue the theme of not necessarily previewing the upcoming match, although that might change next week, knowing what is lying in the distance. But we'll be talking about a certain player. And so I have, again, to uh, make it three as a trend, Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hello, hello. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was just you and me this time. And, uh, well, you know, people, uh, you know, we, we try to make things work with our schedules for this podcast. And uh, sometimes... Uh, goes well and all of us are here and you know sometimes uh we can't but yeah we all have busy lives and you know we uh we do our best to make it work so here we are again that's right well chucks i will 
I will throw out today's topic pretty much with what I am going to uh, title this podcast episode when it is uploaded and everything. What the heck has gotten into Dusan Vlavich? <laughs> in a good way. Obviously. In a good way, yes. Thankfully, <laughs> yeah. in a good way. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> because we have yeah. talked about some not-so-good ways a lot over the last couple of years, unfortunately. Some of that not necessarily his own doing. But yes, we have seen Dusan Vlavich come alive in terms of his goal-scoring numbers. I think it's, what, six goals in his last five league games? Obviously, two goals in back-to-back games. Could have had a hat trick, I feel like, against Sassolo. Didn't necessarily have a chance for a hat trick against Lecce, although you could say maybe the second goal he scored shouldn't have been his goal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I will circle back to the original question, Chucks, and the title of this episode, what the heck has gotten into Dusan Vlaovic? I mean, I think there are two things come to mind for me. Uh, one, which is kind of more speculative than the other. So I'll start with that one. <laughs> Let's so, speculate. Reckless, uh, reckless speculation. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's run it. <laughs> I mean, I think my my main con- criticism of him over you know the last yeah year and a bit has been just uh, that he he just always looks so grumpy and just always look always looks so you know just agitated and just. I, I, I hate to, you know, pundits always do this or commentators always say this, like, oh, his body language looks so negative. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? I mean, <laughs> body language, I don't know. Like, maybe some people are just, know, just like that or just, or maybe, I don't know, maybe that, that's not top of his mind. How is my body language looking when I'm playing in, you know, one of like important, one of the top five leagues in the, in the world? I'm not particularly concerned with my body language, but with Vlaovic, he did honestly just constantly look irritated and just upset. And more than that, you know, I, another thing I was also commented on was that, you know, he's a big guy. I mean, he's six, two or something. So what, 180, 185 centimeters, something like that. He's pretty big guy and just, you know, pretty muscular, not, not, not Bremer or De Ligt, uh, <laughs> muscular, <laughs> but you know, he's, he's pretty stocky. And yet, in physical duels with defenders, he would just either just not really use his body very intelligently or just get a nudge or get a little nudge and a kick and a little little elbow here and there and just, you know, fall to the ground, justified or unjustified, but then immediately turn to the referee and just get absolutely irate (laughs) with with the ref, you know. And, okay, look, I get it. Some defenders do use use the dark arts to, you know, put off... uh, put off attackers and I mean, I don't know whether you think that's part of the game or it's a little dirty. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on what your kind of approach is or what your opinion kind of is of the game. Um, someone like Mourinho would consider it uh, perfectly <laughs> part of the game, which, you know, well, he now he's unemployed under- Jose Mourinho. Uh, he is happily unemployed. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know no. about happily, but he's no. unemployed. No, I'm sure he got some decent severance. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I get the idea. He did like uh, he did like his time at Roma, so fair play. But yeah, no. So you know, defenders would use kind of just those dark arts to just put off Flavić, and it would always work. It would just always put him off. It always make him so angry. And and when you're just when you're constantly angry, I mean, you're just not focused as much on the game and on putting in your best performance. And since he has scored lots of goals in a few matches. I really haven't seen any of that at all. He's looked way more positive, way less irritated, way calmer, and just I barely see him engage with the ref at all, or even engage with other 
defenders, you know, verbally anyway, just, you know, kind of have a word uh, with them. I, you know, barely, if at all, see him do that at all during during games anymore. And part of me thinks that, okay, uh, the energy you wasted on that in your kind of, you know, horror form in uh, earlier in the season, uh, the energy you wasted on that probably put towards just focusing more on the game and clearly that has helped. And so I, you know, I call that a speculative part of kind of my analysis, I guess, uh, because, you know, maybe that might've been some kind of sports psychologist being involved, or I mean, just a real talk with Allegri and just, you know, Allegri sitting him down and saying, look, man, like, you know, you're a great player. You clearly have the talent. You clearly have the footballing ability to be just fantastic you don't need to be constantly engaged in verbal battles with the ref, with the defenders, with the, you know, with the flock of birds flying over the stadium. You know, you, you, you are way too good to be doing that. And, and then, yeah, he also just on the physical part as well, just with him, you know, being thrown around by defenders, you know, he finally has started using his body efficiently Really, I mean, I think the number one game where I saw that was the the one nil victory against Roma. I mean, he just used his body so so effectively, and was I mean compl- immovable almost, you know, in physical duels. And in that game, I was like, see, you know, you you don't have to be the victim here. You can be the guy who's in charge of of the duel, uh, the physical kind of challenge by just using your body well. And he does now, so that. I think those, you know, those things have been, to me, the most noteworthy kind of changes in just in co- that coincided with his his uh, improvement in form. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny you mentioned kind of the on field. I don't, I don't know if composure is the right word, but I definitely think it's kind of along those lines. Where uh, obviously, we're, you know, the most recent game is is the win over Lecce, and there was a moment pretty early on where he was brought down in the box. And at first, you know, from the far away, you know, main kind of camera angle before any replays were shown, it's like, okay, this is maybe you know, potentially a penalty. And then, you know, kind of on those calls, you would expect not only him to kind of sell it, but if he doesn't get the call to argue it. And in hindsight, the, the call right away was the correct one. It wasn't a penalty. But, you know, ever since we've kind of been talking about how his on-field vibe has changed. I've been paying attention to it a little bit more uh, during those moments. And instead of, you know, raising his arms and putting up his arms and screaming at the refs, what does he do? Pops up right away, gets right, kind of right back into position where, where, you know, even with the last defender and essentially tries to get himself in position for, for the cross that was about to, about to come in and, and, and all that. So I think definitely, you know, for him, even going back to his Fiorentina days, he's been such a defender, like any I'm defender, striker, <laughs> like any striker, you know, the more confident you're playing, you would think the better that you're playing. But it seems like the less frustrated he is, it seems like the more free his game appears to be. And kind of like you, this is reckless speculation. But from that end, it, you know, just kind of, being more kind of more, I feel like his game has become a little bit more diverse over the last couple of months where we're seeing more out of him. I mean, we we've noted, you know, the, the flick he had for an assist on a, on a goal a few weeks back where it's like, don't exactly see that much from him. 
And there, there are moments, especially more and more now where he's much more involved in the buildup rather than essentially just being on the last defender and waiting for a pass to go through and waiting, you know, maybe waiting to make that diagonal run or something like that. And I want to kind of bring in do things a little different and bring in a Twitter question here uh, to kind of transition the discussion a little bit from at the Yambino. Am I wrong for thinking that Kenan Yildiz and Dusan Vlaovic play off each other better than Chiesa and Vlaovic? If so, what happens if, when Chiesa is fully fit is, <laughs> and this is obviously this last part is probably for another, another episode, but is Chiesa the next in line for the quote centers of the project to be moved on? So just from wow. a Yildiz Vlaovic point of view, and I guess we can bring in Chiesa to a, a, a certain extent as well. How much do you feel like a much more natural second, second punta has essentially freed up Vlaovic to be more of the Vlaovic that we know or that we thought Juventus was first signing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's a world of difference, of course, to have someone who's actually, whose position that actually is to play in that position rather than someone who's kind of been shoehorned into that position. You know, we've talked about this multiple times, I think with Rabio and I feel like Rabio McKinney. Well, I think it was more Rabio we talked about um, just, you know, in yesteryears where we, you know, discussed just playing him in his right position and just playing players in their correct positions. What a world of difference that makes, um, you know, and that was just in general for the team and and again, specifically to Rabio. But I think this is another case of that. Chiesa, I mean, he has honestly done pretty well as a seconda punta, considering that it's just not his position. Um, he hasn't been absolutely awful. He's been adequate as a seconda punta, but I think adequate wasn't enough or, well, isn't enough, isn't slash wasn't enough uh, in general. You know, it isn't enough for Juve, just, you know, as a club in general, you know, we we don't take mediocrity. We, you know, want excellence. Right. Um, but obviously it wasn't enough for someone like Flaovic. It just, it, it was a very forced relationship i think the best of it we saw was in those first like four or five games of the season where you know both of them were scoring and assisting quite a bit but i mean that lasted again four or five games basically <laughs> you know so there was that and, and that was just a different tactical setup than what even even from what we've seen from juventus the last couple of weeks um yeah. i mean i think i i if i remember correctly it was you who were saying you know juve are still pressing but it's only kind of select occasions rather than what we saw, you know, the first month or so of the season where it was like, okay, here's the press deal with it as you may. Yeah. Yeah. It's more sustainable pressing. I mean, yeah. you know, I always, uh, well, always I I've brought up uh, Marcelo Bielsa a few times on this podcast. And I remember one of the, uh, I guess analyses or, or kind of criticisms of Bielsa was that, you know, in the first, like, half of a season it would be just you know amazing but it'll be full throttle press i mean gung-ho everything on just 100 and then the second half of the season it would just be i mean it would just be unsustainable they would be the players would just be gassed i mean from from doing that all all like feet forward full press forward yeah it's unsustainable it's especially if you're playing multiple competitions with which with bilbao at the time he was playing, you know, Europa League, Copa del Rey, and obviously La Liga. 
So, you know, there is a case for a little bit more of a sustainable press of like, okay, we're going to press, but we realize we have 60 games to play in a season. So we probably can't go, you know, we can't, probably can't play every game like it's our last game ever or World Cup final or something like that. So, you know, that obviously helped there. But yeah, I just want to yield this in case a decision. And obviously we're going to talk about that, I think, in future episodes as well to kind of pick that or analyze that more in more detail. Yeah, I mean, Yildiz, uh, you know, I've, I've said one of the main things I like about him is just his, his ball security, which, again, is a term I just can't really, still haven't found a proper translation from, <laughs> from Dutch for that. But I, I just stick with ball security at, at that point. I guess people get the point from that. <laughs> so, yeah, he's just, he's obviously the out ball from when we regain possession. And, I mean, he has just such good close ball control which you know once you're that out ball once you're that first person getting the ball out of the midfield or defense when your team has you know regained possession to just be the person that's like okay uh you know i received the ball and i will hold it and i like i i'm not going to lose it for at least the first five seconds so that my teammates can you know join the attack and then we can build from there he just is so incredibly technically skilled just to keep that ball when he's surrounded by multiple players and he's yeah again he's also pretty tall i mean you know he's not super super physical but he's he's tall enough where he's not going to get pushed around um he's you know in shape well enough i mean remarkably for an 18 year old he's in yeah, phys- physically he does not look like an 18 year old yeah 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 kids these days hey eh? what are they feeding them? <laughs> uh, what are they feeding them uh gotta get the fda on that or the italian equivalent yeah what's, what's of the, the italian FDA. version of yeah, <laughs> um, hopefully not associated with the FIGC. Yeah, hopefully, who knows what the Italian government these days. Yeah, yeah. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But we digress. Yes, yes, indeed, <laughs> indeed. But yeah, I think just that having that type of player who has that yeah, that ball security when that first ball comes out of uh, defense or midfield when you uh, when Juve regains possession uh, is, I mean, is, is huge. And and just a player who's more comfortable passing and playing centrally. 
Chiesa's really number one thing is take is well speed a and b taking on players or taking on defenders in wide positions in one-on-one situations Chiesa or sorry Yildiz rather has that more passing range and again can kind of keep that he's he's more he's more physical than Chiesa so he can you know shield the ball a little better and that you know that helps getting someone like Vlaovic more involved in the play just you know having a player who more who more naturally or is more comfortable passing and cre- and having that you know killer through ball rather than a winger who's yeah again whose instinct is to take on take on a defender and then well shoot basically or cross that I'm, I mean I'm sure that's helped I'm sure that's helped a lot and again I mean credit credit to Keza for making a unnatural position still work pretty decently but Yildiz it seems like a more natural fit. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a good point. I've I've definitely thought this more than once over the last couple of weeks now that Yildiz has suddenly gotten a huge bout of playing time as compared to his first four months uh, with the senior team is that, you know, there were many times, especially early on in this, you know, it's going to be a 3-5-2. We're not going away from the 3-5-2. So if we're going to play Federico Chiesa, it's going to be as a striker and he's just going to have to learn to adjust. Where he'd be doing as as you were just alluding to he'd be doing that thing out wide and doing his thing out wide which you know he's obviously very good at but then Flavich would be so isolated in the center and especially on counters where you know it might be one or one or two other guys with him and then the and then the defense where it's like you really only have one guy to target and that's Vlahovich. and if you only have one guy to target then the defense knows where it's going so in that aspect, it's not that hard to figure out. You know, you don't need a master tactical plan to be like, okay, well, the ball's going into Vlaovic, and if we get just, you know, defend Vlaovic well, we'll prevent Juventus from getting goals. But now with Yildiz in there, he's he obviously drifts out wide. You know, you look at just the, you know, the couple of goals that he scored, they've definitely come in on him cutting in from the left wing or making a run down the left wing, something like that. It just, it seems much more natural. And I know that's not like a huge tactical breakdown of it, but it just, it makes more sense because it's just somebody who's used to playing that position and is suited more to playing that position. And I mean, you know, listeners of the podcast know how much I love Federico Chiesa, but when you compare a seconda punta to a makeshift seconda punta, there are going to be a whole lot more things going in Yildiz's camp than all the good that Chiesa can do. And that's kind of this. And like you said, we'll get, we'll get into this probably the next few weeks on the pod, but just kind of the, the pluses and minuses of both players. But if you just look from sheer results, having yielded in the lineup the last month has also coincided with Vlaovic suddenly coming alive and that talk of Gazeta Dello Sport will jump on a Vlaovic goal scoring drought faster than anybody. <laughs> you know, once Vlaovic hit two months without a goal or earlier this season, you know, it was alarm bells, alarm bells, alarm bells. And now you're just hearing the exact opposite. So with all that being said, I will throw out another Twitter question to kind of aid the discussion here from, from longtime listener, Vincent Ferrar at Juventino underscore BNA. 
it doesn't really feel like we are running an Allegri system anymore. Did Allegri change his ways? Or are the players doing just enough of what Allegri wants, but are also adapting his style to better suit themselves? No, I don't think Allegri has thrown his uh, thrown his system out the window. I think he's way too stubborn for that. Honestly, I think, you know, as we talked about, Max maybe kind of letting up on the reins a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, we use the extreme of the the win over Fiorentina last episode where it's like, okay, we're going to give them 70% possession and essentially dare them to cross because we've got 10 guys in the box defending. It just feels like Max has given them a little more freedom to attack. And you're giving good attacking players just a little bit more freedom where they're not, say, playing most of the game in their own half. And they're only essentially their only way of creating goals is on the counterattack, then it's like, okay, we can, we can kind of open things up a little bit and off we go. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like Max isn't so totally hell bent on defending for every single moment of the game where it's like, okay, we can, we can defend. And as you've, as we've talked about plenty defenses, Max's number one priority, but now it's like, okay, you guys are, you guys are defending well and you have done it consistently. Now you can maybe attack. We're not going to, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of going off on my own rambling thoughts here, but it's just, it just feels like, you know, it, it's not necessarily Porto Musso or get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's a poetic way of putting it. <laughs> yes. That's hard hitting analysis. You can only find uh, on this podcast. <laughs> No, I think the word for me is uh, compromise. Really, I think yes. I think Alec is simply compromised more. That that is his... a much shorter way of saying what I was. Going to say. <laughs> yeah. Also, I try to keep it family friendly. I try to give our <laughs> beloved editor Kaushik um, less work, <laughs> as little work as possible to do. I know you're a busy man too. So, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I think the word really is compromise. Uh, I think again, I think fundamentally he's not let his let his defensive ways go. But I think he said, okay, you know, yes, we're going to defend first, but maybe I won't defend as Fiorentina-esque as that. Or like, maybe I won't go to that extremes anymore as much. So still defense first, but I'll, you know, compromise a little bit and allow a little more uh, flexibility or freedom or, you know, flair or what have you into the play. And I think that shows... Uh, you know, I think that shows good leadership, willing to, you know, being willing to listen to new ideas and knowing when it's time to maybe say, okay, maybe my way of doing things isn't the only way of doing things, but still showing the type of leadership to say like, okay, I'm not going to just throw everything out the window and say, okay, you know what? You're right. I'm just not going to like listen to everything, you know, the fans say or everything that other people say, but just compromise. It. Yeah. Is it, is it noticeable more that he's doing it against these provincial sides where we saw earlier in the season it was, you know, grinding out. Corto Musso kind of wins against these same kind of teams. I mean, now obviously we're in the second half of the season. We're seeing teams twice, or for a second time, I should say. So, you know, we can kind of compare and contrast a little bit. Obviously, we can, can't necessarily compare and contrast to Lernitana because we played them twice in four days. But is it is it easier to kind of see Max... And obviously these, these aren't the best teams. And like we've said, you know, the true test will come against Inter in a couple of weeks, but is it easier to see Max kind of changing a little bit, knowing that 
just a few months ago, Juve were trying to grind out these kind of wins against smaller clubs. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was the main complaint as well, that, you know, against small teams, we would try and grind out a one nil win against, uh, you know, against uh, a Lecce maybe, or a Empoli or something like that. I think people don't mind, at least I don't uh, mind grinding out one nil or two one wins against a Milan or against an Inter or against uh, Atalanta or something. I think people understand that those are very difficult teams to play and very difficult games. But I think the frustration comes from, you know, uh, someone like Vlaovic having to, you know, feed off scraps against the Lecce or feed off scraps against the Salernitana or something like that. That's where, you know, the frustration came. And and so therefore, I mean, sure, okay, we're scoring, what is it, 18 goals or something against Salernitana, Lecce, uh, Sassuolo, etc. But that's exactly who you have to score all those goals against because you're not going to score six goals against Inter. Uh, I hope we do, but um, yeah, that's be nice. probably probably not going to happen. Against teams like that, you're going to score one or two goals, maybe. So, yes, that that I think people will say, oh, well, it's just Lecce. Well, yeah, but that's exactly the point. Against a team like that, yeah. we have to score those all those goals. Like It's not going to happen anywhere else. So, yeah, that, that yes, <laughs> to kind of hopefully answer your question. And, and just to, uh, something came up in my had again about all Yildiz and Chiesa thing. I think another thing with Yildiz is that he's way more comfortable playing with his back to back to goal and being surrounded by defenders with his back to goal and kind of figuring his way out of there. If you think about it with Chiesa, if you're a winger, you're way less frequently with your back to goal or with your back towards a defender. Generally speaking, you're getting the ball when you're facing a fullback in this case, uh, facing a fullback immediately rather than constantly with your back to goal. So I think this also that comfortability <laughs> of our sense of comfort uh, with that situation has also helped Flavich having someone who now can basically take that off his back, um, take that uh, responsibility of constantly being with your back to goal or receiving the ball with your back to goal, taking that off him, that that's probably very nice for him. And I guess we can kind of circle back and get it fully back on Vlaovic to wrap things up. I guess I'll pose one last question to you, Chucks, and we can finish here. Obviously, Vlaovic is, you know, he, like we said, you know, six goals in those last five league games. He's on this season, he's got 11 outperforming XG by a little bit, not a whole lot. XG, according to Sofa Score, is 935. So, you know, a, a, essentially a goal and a half more than his expected goals which can be good and bad, I guess, in a way. I mean, you look at some of the goals he's scored lately, and it's not like they're going to have the <laughs> the highest XG to begin with. But I guess, and this is kind of a speculating question I, in, a, in a way, but you know, how, how much more of this do you need to see from Vlaovic to be like, okay, he's back back? Or like, this was just a good month of Vlaovic feasting on really bad teams? Yeah, um, I think... Once he's doing it against teams like Inter, and um, obviously we're playing Inter in two weeks or a week and a little bit, whatever. Yeah, once he's doing it against the big boys, basically, which uh, given that we're not in the Champions League this season, there's not as much opportunity for that, of course. And again, we're already halfway through the season, so there's really only, what, six, seven opportunities this season left. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, Inter, Milan... Well, can you still call Napoli a big team? <laughs> um, but yeah, so 
in the few games we have left against the top six or seven. So again, five, six ish games, basically in those games. Uh, but to me, that's not even really a big concern, you know, if he's back or not. To me, it's just if he as long as he's contributing to the team, that whether it be goals, assists, or just build a play and uh, bringing players into the team or bringing players into the attack. That's all that I care about. Um, That's why I kind of wrote about that. I think a month or two ago about the modern striker. Um, I'm not as concerned with how many goals he's scoring. I'm more concerned about his general contribution to the play. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm not really even bothered about is he back or is he, you know, scoring truckloads of goals. It's just how much is he contributing to the collective? And uh, right now that's a lot. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yes, thankfully. Although uh, you'll be hearing hot takes from Chucks if uh, Dusan doesn't play well against Inter in a week and a half. So be ready. Be ready for that. Hopefully, yes. hopefully not, though. Yes, indeed. Let's uh, hope for hat tricks against <laughs> That's Inter. Right. Let's hope for hat tricks. He's gotten two the last couple of games. Let's hope for now hat tricks. Nothing but hat tricks. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> indeed. All right. Well, we're, we will wrap things up on that note. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for the Twitter questions that we had uh, left over from the. Uh, the Leche episode, or Leche Sassuolo episode, I guess, since there were two games last week. If you want to send us Twitter questions, follow us there at Juventus Nation on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. Follow us on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well. Follow Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN, FansFirstSports.com for all of the other podcasts around the network. Follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, if you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a nice five-star rating and a review. We always appreciate those. So, for Chucks, for Sam, for Sergio, and producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys in a few days. <laughs>